Our limitations, self-doubt, and limiting beliefs about ourselves. Why do we give them so much power? I'm Simon Caruso, and this is the Limitless Man Podcast, speaking to those who doubted their own doubts and overcame limitations to pursue their very own limitless potential. Welcome to another episode, guys. Today's guest, he's on a mission to help business owners and creatives tap into their greater human connection through hosting luxury retreats all around the world. We're going to cover a few things today. We're going to talk about risk-taking and developing a big vision, bulletproof ways to build deep connections, how to add more adventure to your life if you're feeling mundane and stale. And this is the one I'm really interested in talking about. It's building a supportive circle of like-minded achievers. Please welcome founder of The Big Possible, Mr. Noah Scott. Thanks for coming on the Limitless Man podcast. Oh, man, I am feeling limitless right now just being in the room with you, Simon. Thanks for having me on the show. You're more than welcome, man. We caught up, it would have been close to a month ago, and we had a bit of a chat offline, and I just love what you're doing. I think I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen just the way you um, run these retreats, and they just look like five-star luxury retreats from from your website i'll let you sort of get into this and and tell us your story but just start with that man i mean the big possible how was this born and what were you doing previously before you started this concept absolutely so i'll start with kind of what the big possible is because that's a question people see me traveling around the world they see me throwing these big events and they're saying you know what is what is your job what what do you do (laughs) and so you know to sum it up what i really have created is a social club for entrepreneurs and you know my mission with this club is to enable all the innovators today's leaders with the community that they need to break through the goals that they have um and not just settle for the scraps on the table but to really collaborate with others in the community to reach for their biggest dreams possible and then at the retreats we, we create an environment that is conducive to, you know, to extending to that vision and then lining them up with support, with guidance. We have like TED style presentations. We have uh, cool adventures that give you an expansive way of thinking. And then the best part is there's a community of other people there helping you sort of dial in to that purpose. So that's kind of what the big possible is in a nutshell. Now, on top of that, there's a lot of other things that we do. Like we do some marketing services. We do coaching as well and so that all of this sort of ties together with that one central mission to help entrepreneurs get unstuck um boy starting this has been (laughs) one of the hardest things i've ever done in my life you know and it's but it's also simultaneously one of the most rewarding the biggest risk i've ever taken obviously just you know dumping to put on an event like a luxury event you're dropping 30 40 thousand dollars no clue whether or not people are actually going to show up and it's it's nerve wracking. Oh, yeah. But then the moment everybody gathers together, they're all there in paradise. It's like the greatest feeling in the world to just see people shedding the day to day, embracing their big possible and just zeroing in on what's important community. So I started this uh, really like the last five years I've been working at a marketing agency. And, you know, as a creative person, being in one company for so long, you start to you start to bottom out. You start to hit a plateau. Um, During this time, you know, my testosterone working as an employee disappeared. My propensity for risk-taking pretty much disappeared. And, you know, all that time, it's not fair to my boss. It's not fair to the organization that I'm in to sort of stagnate. It's not fair to the relationships that I had. And so I kept searching for the way out. I kept searching for what's the next entrepreneurial venture that I'm going to do. And prior to that, I had a production company that was um, super awesome. We produced a feature film. We got into VR. We produced thousands of short films. And I had been looking for a way to get back into entrepreneurship that felt authentic, genuine, and something I could be fired up. And, and you know, it felt juicy to me. Mm. So I tried coaching. Wasn't, wasn't enough. I tried writing and publishing a book. It, it didn't really light all the boxes. I tried an art career. Didn't <laughs> have any propensity to make money uh, for a long time started all kinds of little side projects. And I finally clicked when I was talking with my coach and we were talking about my vision for the next 10 years. And what I, what kept coming up with this idea of 
going around the world, hosting retreats, hosting seminars where my friends from around the world can come and gather. And we can create this experience that's a little bit soulful, a little bit spiritual, but not too much. Just enough where it's like the the, the guests can come, dip their toes in, get the t-shirt and say, I, I, I explored my inner self. There's enough business. So I geek out on chatting business. I love talking about marketing, talking about strategy. So there's something, you know, in that regard where we're all helping each other grow businesses, we're forming partnerships. But then that final piece was tying in community and tying in adventure. Because let's face it, we all had two years of being locked up in COVID, with COVID. And it was mm-hmm. like, what's important? It's the human connection. Yeah. Can I create a business that is centered around in-person human connection? And here we are. So I just remember after that phone call, I went and booked a villa, no idea, no business model, nothing. Just saying, okay, I think this can work. I booked a villa, like this beautiful 10 bedroom, right off the coast, right on the water in Puerto Vallarta. And I sent a few text messages out. Hey, do you want to come to a retreat? I'm putting together this thing where we can hang out, go on a boat, talk business, Mm. stay in the luxury villa. And I had one person say, oh my God, I've been craving this. Absolutely. Count me in. So that was my signal that, all right this, this can work. So it's still, we're still not even a year in and we're still working the kinks out, but so far so good. I mean, it's amazing though, man. I mean, going to your website and we'll put that in the show notes. It's, it looks so luxurious. And so my understanding is you've been taught to 40 countries around the world. You run these retreats all over the place. Do you have set designation or destinations how do you go about it? Because it looks like looking at the website, it looks like you've, you've been to, to places in Europe along the coast there. I'm not sure where else you've been, but talk us through that, man. Yeah. So uh, originally, like I wanted to tie in my love for travel with this business. That's one of the things that, you know, I'm a full-time nomad currently, actually just last time we chatted, I was somewhere in Eastern Europe. Now I'm actually in the Bay Area and like near San Francisco and my buddy's Airstream trailer, which is kind of cool. Um, but what I've, what I've found is that the sweet spot is to find something that can create a feeling of escape, of leaving the day-to-day behind, being in an environment that's ex- inspiring and exciting. So I love a tropical destination, something like, you know, we've done Puerto Vallarta, we're doing Tulum in November, and we we also did Morocco, which was so stimulating visually, culturally. The you know you have all the sights, the sound, um, and Morocco is, is especially Marrakesh. There's so much luxury there. There's so much um, in terms of that cultural expansion, like the food, the, the colors. It's it it all ties into mm. an incredible experience. And then we'll have Mykonos happening in the end of summer in 2023. But yeah. what I found is fascinating because I'm mainly attracting entrepreneurs as my clients. Entrepreneurs are busy. They're probably some of the busiest people in the world. To convince an entrepreneur to take four or five days off of their business, mm-hmm. yeah. get away from their family, say no to all the weddings, all the all the business conferences that are out there, and unplug, prioritize relationships, prioritize the mind. That's a tough, that's a tough order. So what I found after doing Morocco is it's a lot easier to keep something close to my my customer base where it's a four easy four or five hour flight. And so Mexico has been like the sweet spot. Okay. So I, I'm finding that it's far enough where most of my clients that are based in the US, they can, they can justify a five hour flight mm. and it's distant enough. It's exotic enough where it provides, you know, a full spectrum release from the grind. Yeah. That that leads into my next question. So it was the sort of person that attends these retreats. So, you know, do you have to be a, an entrepreneur? Could you be a, you know, a high level executive, you know, in the corporate world still? Do you get people like that? And then obviously, what sort of experience can they expect on these retreats? Yeah, that's, it's something I'm really noticing. There's, the retreats are not for everyone. And yeah. I'm so picky when it comes to saying yes to somebody showing up there there has to be the right intention if yeah. someone is looking for a vacation and they're just like oh this looks so cool everything's planned for me i'm going to show up and have a great vacation it's not the right experience mm-hmm. what 
the, the, the ideal customer for me, the, the person who's going to get the most value out of this experience is someone who is deeply craving a collaborative community. That is probably the number one factor that I'm looking for. The number two is relatability. I, if someone shows up and they haven't started a business yet, because so much of the conversation, you know, I have expert speakers. We have seven speakers this time coming to Tulum, and mm. we're all talking about branding, advanced tactics in marketing. We're, we're talking about like Web3. It, it just makes sense to have some level of relatability. So if you're working in a corporate job, if you're in a leadership position, you'll absolutely love it. If you're okay. punching numbers behind a, behind a cubicle and sort of just going out on the weekends, hanging out with your friends, I'm sorry, but there's other retreats that are better for you. Mm. This, is, this is designed for people who are specifically looking to add leverage of enterprise within their life. So that could be a number of different forms. So it, I, I love the idea of, you know, a tech entrepreneur, somebody who's, you know, challenging themselves and they can be early stage as well, early stage or even late, late, late stage founders. We have, yeah. you know, people running seven figure marketing agencies. We have people uh, running established software service companies and it, the diversity of thought is something that really makes it special. So we don't focus on just saying, okay, we're only going to take e-commerce brands it's only going to be founders we also have artists and that's another beautiful thing because an artist ultimately is a business owner yeah so artists mavericks tech founders or somebody who's in a position of leadership this is the common thread that sort of brings everyone together and you know ultimately if you have those three elements checked off you have the intention to build community you have that intention to expand your thoughts with a diverse pool of thinking. And then finally, you have the relatability where the concepts we're discussing are actually going to be able, you're actually going to be able to put them into place. That's what's important. Yeah. I want to talk about the circle, the proximity. So I'm a massive believer that proximity is power. I have one of my mentors and he reminds me of this every single time I interact with him. He goes on about it all the time. And this is obviously something that's massive for you, you know, building supportive circles of like-minded achievers who want to collaborate together. So in your perspective, why is this so important that people, you know, embrace this concept of actually coming together and building this circle and then sort of feeding from each other? Yeah. Um, If you really think there's one word that can get the wheels spinning and that word is leverage. When you think about the ability to achieve a big dream or a big goals, something that's greater than just yourself. You cannot do that alone. There's yeah. only 24 hours in the day. You're going to be sleeping for eight of them. You're going to be brushing your teeth and just eating for another three or four. So that really limits the amount of power and impact that you yourself can make on the world. The moment you allow other people and their influence within that, realm of you know that sphere of influence now your impact is multiplied that's i think the heart and soul of it right so if we look at it from that lens how can my mission the thing that i deeply care about how can that actually have a bigger impact than what i'm just doing community is one of the biggest ways to do that now how do you go about expanding your community so it's filled with people who can extend your leverage so that you're going to be able to actually make a dent because let's face it there's going to be so so many people in your life that actually don't add leverage they take it away yeah what we don't want is we don't want those people in our life we want to remove as many people who reduce Mm. our ability to make an impact and then instead seek out the people that are going to be empower us with more leverage to produce more to impact more and the first thing that you want to do when you think about it so proximity the the moment you are isolated as an entrepreneur what tends to happen is we repeat the same mistakes again and again and again. Mm. We see the same patterns. We let the patterns become now a default mode of of our day-to-day. And then we're trapped. We get in a cyclic circle of approaching every task with this failure, (laughs) this this, this same process that, that hasn't produced the results we're looking for. And the only way that we can really get out of that is by surrounding ourselves with people who are in fact, going to help us break out of that cycle in one way or another. So proximity, if you think about 
the people that you text on a regular basis. You think about the events that you're going to face-to-face where you're rubbing shoulders with other people mm. that have the potential to apply more leverage in your life, right? And if you're in a small town, it's pretty hard to have life-changing opportunities. That's that's kind of a, a guarantee. There might be one cool event happening in your city. But the moment you go into some, like I was just in Los Angeles for like 10 days. Yeah. And the amount of interaction that I had, I went to like three or four dinner parties. Somebody invited me to another dinner party. You know, while I'm there, I run into somebody who is like an expert in crypto and they're like, I'm going to come speak at your event. This is, these are the kind of relationships that only happen when you're, you're merging with all these other people that have their own circle. So you don't have to create everything on your own. You can actually infiltrate another circle simply by being in the same proximity. The more that you're a part of these people's lives, the more they're going to be able to rub off on you, not just in habits, but also like sharing advice, sharing counsel. And that's really where the magic happens. The magic happens when you develop these relationships. So Mm -hmm. you're always top of mind. You're always the first person they're thinking of when, um, you know, when, when somebody is looking to do a retreat, like now I'm the first person people call, like, how do I do this? Yes. And it just, it's just, I think there's a lot of, we can get into a little bit more depth, I think a little bit later, but I, you know, I have like a pretty, pretty solid formula to start to grow your own circle of influence. And I think we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later, Mm -hmm. but yeah, definitely proximity has a massive, massive part in that. The more you're around people who are going to help you achieve your goals, the more likely you are to receive those opportunities. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, man, because it's the energy factor as well. Because, you know, when you're in a when you're in a space and people are inspired and they're happy and they're loving what they're doing as well, it just gives off a completely different vibe, you know, and it's a real thing, you know, like, you can feel it. Just like you can mm-hmm. feel it when you walk into a room and you feel something's not right. You know, we've all had that feeling before as well. You know, so, you know, these vibes are real. And, you know, for me, I find that if I'm not around the right proximity, then I do get stuck. You know, I get stuck in my own head because, like you said, you can't do it on your own. You've got to, you've got to tap into, you know, what is leverage. You call it leverage, um, that frequency, that, that energy, whatever you want to call it. But I believe it's a real thing. And I completely understand what you're saying too. You can't just take, you've got to be, someone that's going to give and take. So there's got to be, you know, that law of reciprocity, I think it's called the law of reciprocity. How do you say it? (laughs) Reciprocity. You know what I mean. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Like you talk about risk taking as well and and developing a big vision. So a lot of my listeners here are perhaps startups or they're wanting to take a risk. They're wanting to do mm-hmm. something. Now, you've taken a bold risk. You've taken massive action. And that's not to say everyone has to take that line of action or anything like that. But how does one learn like, to take risks if they're not inclined to do that, you reckon? Don't let the fear stop you. Mm. Let the fear guide you. The fear is the signal that this, this shit's going to work eventually. Yeah. As long as you're strong enough to sink your teeth into it rip out the juice and just and just enjoy the process of growing. So the more we take a risk, what happens is we start to develop familiarity with the process that's behind that risk. And all risk is really there to all all of that risk is really there to help us become stronger. It's it's the obstacle that we see that inhibits us from actually taking the risk. But the moment we start to look at the obstacle as an opportunity, then what we can instead look at it as being, okay, if I'm able to one day overcome this obstacle, what are the cool skills that I'm going to have achieved yeah. by the time that I get there? Mm-hmm. What, what person will I have become once I, I go through the other side? And it's important to align the importance of whatever the, the end result is going to be and have that be the North Star or the compass that guides you through the risk. So... Think of it this way is if you have a mission that's bigger than yourself, it doesn't matter how tired you are. It doesn't matter how broke you get because the mission is what's important. And the moment you put that on your sleeve, you raise that banner in the air and you say, this is what I stand for. All this other stuff, all this other crap becomes insignificant because the mission is what's important. And that I think is the first step. So the first step is to align 
a level of importance that supersedes whatever risk that you're facing. Okay. And then look at the risk objectively and say, okay, there's two outcomes that are going to happen. I'm afraid of, I'm afraid of one outcome, but why am I really afraid? Let me actually put this, let me actually quantify the stakes involved here. So it might be like, for me, like, I'm like, okay, if I don't land this business and, you know, I end up failing, it, the, I, I try everything I can and the business just doesn't take off. I invest all this, you know, $40,000 for this retreat that I'm doing in Tulum. Nobody shows up. What's the stakes involved? What's really going to happen? The worst case, I go in a bunch of credit card debt and then I have to go find a job, you know, and then work for a year or two to pay it off. Okay, I can deal with that. And once you identify that those risks actually can't hurt you, it's not like I'm going to end up homeless and and have like, you know, uh, die from a stomach ulcer. I'm going to prevail one way or another. And so once you identify, okay, actually, the thing that I'm afraid of isn't that bad. Now, what's the upside? Flip it on its head. Now, what's the best thing that can happen? The best thing is I do this risk. I take it. And maybe it works. Maybe it actually works. And then, you know, how good is life going to be? Maybe I'm going to impact so many lives. Maybe I'm going to create a container that can serve me and create unlimited wealth. There's an upside to every risk. And once you start to weigh them out, you can actually start to feel like which one, which one's better. And then there's also the risk of not doing anything at all. Like, obviously, you're, yeah. you're, you're facing this risk because you want to change. And then if the change, if you're not changing, is actually more detrimental to your long-term happiness than actually facing the risk. It's an easy decision. Mm. I think the last piece of that. So if you think about, if we think about the middle road, this is the one that most likely happens. Most likely the fear that we're most afraid of doesn't happen. Most likely the best case scenario that we're thinking, oh, this would be amazing if this happens. Usually that doesn't happen either. Usually it's somewhere in between. And it's like for this retreat, okay, Maybe I'm going to be half sold <laughs> and then, and you know, that's fine. I can deal with that. So I only go in a little credit card debt. Then I just have to add some other streams of revenue rather than getting a job and I can keep the business going. And one day it might be, it might be a little longer than I would want, but I'll be profitable eventually. And then yeah. it might not be in three months. It might not be in six months, but eventually I'll get to the point where I'm impacting thousands of lives and then I'll have this, you know, being able to be wealthy beyond measure, but it might take a little longer than I expected. Mm. And that's the, that's the realist path, right? So are you okay with that? Mm. Is the risk worth it? Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, just frame it up in those, in those contexts. So when you approach the risk, you're not doing it blind and you're not doing it based on feeling or gut. Cause your feeling is always going to pull you in the direction of your bed where you can hide. Mm. That's not where you want to go. Yeah. Nah, that's cool, man. Like, I want to ask you as well about leadership and mentors. I, I believe in this. I believe in engaging in someone who is further down the road than me. So if I've got an idea or a concept or something that I know I want to do, you know, whether or whatever, travel the world or whatever. So whatever it is you've got in mind, do you believe in mentors, coaches? Do you have them advising you constantly? And you're always looking at, you know, that space as well and actually, you know, upgrading that space if you have to. Yes. Uh, coaches saved my life, um, yeah. to put it frankly. I wouldn't be here without my coach. And there, there was a dark period in my life, you know, several years ago where I almost called it quits. You know, there were, there was months I was going through a bad, a, a bad breakup, which actually was a good thing. You know, going through that actually yeah. was the spark for me to make a change. But when we're in those tough situations, the only thing we, it's, we can only see like three feet ahead in front of us. And so a coach is so important to help you zoom out of the thick and see the world for what it is. They're going to be able to be that radio control for you to help you sidestep a lot of the mistakes and keep you from falling off the deep end. Because mm. sometimes we don't even become aware of all the patterns that we pick up along the way. And it's only when we can articulate those to someone who is emotionally invested in your success, but also is a little bit detached from your own immediate needs, they're going to be able to illuminate the path ahead, 
and give you that guidance so that you don't fall off the track. Now, I have another firm belief that I'm, I'm working on. You know, I've spent years of my life, decades even, with this mentality that I wasn't, I wasn't worthy to ask for help. Mm. This is something that has taken me a long time to, to work on. And I'm still to this day, you know, forcing myself to be okay to ask for help because most of us, 90% of us operate as guessers, not askers. And we will guess, we will rationalize for all the 99 reasons why someone will reject us while someone will say no, or while someone won't be able to help us, you know, to put it in context, if you're going to go visit your buddy in San Diego, or let's say San Francisco, like I'm here in my buddy's airstream right now. And it's like, I could have just guessed, oh, he's going to be busy. He's got a family. He's running a you know multi seven figure company. He won't have time to hang out with me. So why should I text him anyway? Yeah, right. Yeah. And most of us are going to guess and we're going to rationalize. And, we're, and then what's, what happens? We never send the text. We never yeah, we say, talk, hey, I'm in town. Can I crash in your Airstream? Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and then we end up dropping three, $400 on an Airbnb or, or a hotel tonight. And like, all you got to do is ask, hmm. what's the worst that's going to happen? They might say, oh, you know what? Sorry, I can't do it this week. No big deal. Or they might say yes. Hmm. And if we can learn to operate as askers and not guessers, we're going to save ourselves so much floundering, trying to figure things out on our own. So yeah, yeah that's my, that's the two philosophies that I think are, are super helpful for me. Um, obviously I'm always working on it and it's not easy, but the more you do it, just like everything, it starts to become second nature. Yeah. And no, I'm with you because there was a time where I didn't believe in, you know, coaches. I was trying to do it by myself and this would have been, you know, five or six years ago. And yeah, it just doesn't work, you know, and anyone I've spoken to that's achieved something, you know, extraordinary or, or something great that they've actually aspired to do, they've had, they've had some help, you know, they've had someone, whether you call that person a coach, a mentor, whoever it is, they've had that guidance and they've had that someone to look in from the outside and say, look, you know, you might want to look at this or, you know, I noticed mm-hmm. a pattern here and, you know, you said it beautifully, they're not, they're not close enough to you where, you know, that they can't see it objectively. They can actually pick these patterns and they can actually say, look, you need to have a look at this. You need to change this up, you know? So when, yeah, be massive for me, I'm, I'm glad you, you worded it the way you did. So they're yeah, awesome, man. I want to talk about limitations and self-doubt as well, because, you know, when you were working, you were at this marketing company for five years. And so you said you got to a point where you just felt you weren't giving yourself the opportunity to grow anymore. What sort of limitations or doubt did you put on yourself before you made the switch? So obviously you'd be able to do that, but do you rem- do you recall like some of these doubts, these limitations and some of the self-talk that you had at the time when you were considering jumping ship? I'm not good enough. That's the that's a recurring theme that comes up all the time. Comparison to other people, we get so it's so easy to get deluded into thinking that we're powerless that Mm. the world is so complex that the things that we're working on don't make an impact. And if we start to believe that belief, what happens again is it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. The weaker we become, the less inclined we become to actually push ourselves to the edge to do a great job with the work that we're doing. And then you keep drinking from that same Kool-Aid. It's kind of like there's a switch that is on the back of your head that's just been turned off. You have the, you're the only one that has the power to flip that switch. You can have the coolest boss in the world, but if you yourself aren't fired up about the projects that you're working on, you're not going to tap into that extra reserve of energy that you have because we're always, we always have so much more to give. We always have so much more creativity that's lying just underneath the surface. And the moment we can, you know, learn to flip the switch, that's when we can actually approach the projects that we're working on with focus, with tenacity, with diligence, and with love, right? If we care about the things that we're doing on a daily basis, it becomes a lot easier to let go of the limiting beliefs. So feeling that you're not worthy enough, bro, if you care about the things that you're doing, it doesn't matter 
whether you're worthy or not, right? It's about the mission and the value that you're providing. Mm. That's, that's the switch you need to make is like, hold on. Can the things, can I use my time that I have today to, to just do a better deed for somebody? Can I just approach the projects that I'm on? And is there something I can learn from that? And that, you know, that just reminds me of a quote from Marcus Aurelius that the secret to good fortune is to do good deeds and to have good character. When you think about it from that lens, there's having good character is going to force us to pull out the extra stops to not get caught up in imposter syndrome because none of that matters. What matters is, are you showing up and are you taking on the hard projects? Are you actually doing it with the passion and the integrity behind every action that you do? And even if it's 60%, it's still better than not doing it at all. And yeah, I think that's, that's the heart and soul of it. So my limiting beliefs has always been one avoiding is the other one, right? So I would, I, I will avoid something because it's, it's not easy. Yeah. And rather than just sink my teeth into it, I'll push it off to the side and then my to-do list stacks up, but remembering that, wait a second, it doesn't matter how I feel about this. What matters is that I'm doing good deeds every day. And I have the good character to follow through with what I said I would do. Mm. Remove the ego, remove your self-judgment, and you're going to be off to the races. So really, it's all about, you know, having a greater purpose and, you know, having that vision, you know, and, and something that you're working towards that's bigger than yourself, like you were saying before. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about connection, man. So why is it important? Like, why is connection so important? And how do we build solid foundations for deep connection? Where human connection is really the essence of what makes us human. We have a gift to communicate. We have a gift to love. We have a gift to show up with integrity. and Connection is a thing that gives us meaning. It creates a, a cycle of, okay, I'm supported by the people that I care about. I'm supporting the people I care about. And within that, I believe that's really the secret to happiness. As long as we have those two things spinning harmoniously, and every day we're showing up with that intention to, to give, to contribute, and every interaction we make, we look at through the lens of that the other person on the other side is a human too. And what do they need? They need to feel supported. They need to feel connected just like I do. Yeah. And every time we show up with that intention and that understanding, we let go of judgment. We let go of all the crap that we're dealing with and approach it from the lens of giving love to every present moment. Suddenly, the human connection becomes real. It becomes genuine. And it becomes something that we can latch onto in no matter obstacle no matter what obstacle shows up and all the hard times that pop up. The other beautiful thing about connection is that it will be there when you need it. Every time you make a solid connection, you have FaceTime with somebody, you, you actually are vulnerable and you share and you express what's going through your body and what's, what's going through your mind. Now you've created something that's hard to build. You've created trust with the other person. You're listening to what they're doing. You're vulnerable enough to share what you're going through. And now you're relating. The beauty about that is that no matter where you're at in your life, that moment is going to be like this thread that you can rely on to tie yourselves together. Hard times show up. You need some help. Guess what? Now you can ask this person. And because you have a connection, there's a, more li- there's a higher likelihood that they're going to come in and support you because you've made the FaceTime. You've listened when they needed support. You've been there for them. Those go a long way. So I've got a lot of ways that I found to be super powerful in building um, supportive relationships. And most of these, I, I generally talk through the lens of business because obviously it's like, you know, I, most of the people I, I hang out with, we're all entrepreneurs. We're all trying to build businesses together. We're, we're doing cool, cool stuff like that. Mm, yeah. And I found that 
you can't do a business by yourself. The moment you start to go in a silo, it, you lose collaboration, you lose innovation, the breakthroughs happen less, you feel you feel like crap because, you know, you don't have that refreshing connection with other people. So to do to build a supportive circle of friends and and powerful business relationships, there's really three four steps. You know, the first step is to understand first that we're all human. We all need human connection. Mm. And if you can show up authentically passionately in every interaction you make, it's going to be a, a lot easier for people to, when you do interact with them, connect with you deeply. The second part of that is to create some kind of container, some kind of vehicle to funnel all of the interactions that you make into. When you meet somebody cool, if you have a podcast, for example, or you have a magazine or a blog, something in which it could be a weekly dinner party, it could be a weekly happy hour, something that when you meet an interaction, how do you take them from stranger to a second uh, a second face-to-face meeting. As long as you have some form of container to capture those relationships and bring them into a second point of contact. Yeah. I love the podcast because, you know, we're building relationships. Yeah. We're having a conversation. And it's, it is beneficial for the other party. Like Simon's going to post this interview out there. Yeah. Other people are going to find my story and share it. And it's super, super powerful. So, you know, I have my podcast and that's exactly the tool that I use it for is when I make a cool connection and you know what? I want to stay in touch with this person. Just put them through the podcast funnel. Boom. They show up. And now we have a, a second point yeah. of interaction. I'm glad you said that, man. It's one of the, one of the reasons I started this podcast was for that, because the amount of people I've met already is I'd never would have met them. I never would have built this relationship with them. And and, I'm, and this is all around the world. I'm not talking about right. my country, man. Like this is legitimately, if I flew to different countries now, I've got people that I could continue these relationships with that I started in this platform. So what an amazing way to build relationships. Totally. And so the third piece is, is actually tying all these together and and fostering that in-person connection. So I can't stress enough how powerful throwing dinner parties and events and mixers is. So if you become the the person who's hosting an event and you can totally be an introvert because as a host, all you really have to do is get the people there and then yeah. they start talking with each other, but you're the position you're in this position of authority because you've brought everyone there. And that's super, super powerful. Now I have a whole framework for how to throw an Epic dinner party, but we won't get into that in this interview. Yeah. Yeah. I think the last piece that we'll talk about is infiltrating other existing networks. So it's a hard work to go and build a supportive circle all on your own. But remember, the whole point of what we're talking about is leverage. Like, how do you actually just get other people to come into your funnel? Well, why don't you just show up to other events? Yeah. There's a ton of publications, articles, newspapers, blogs, who pot other podcast shows, who are looking for amazing stories just like yours. So mm. if you put yourself out there, you start messaging people and saying, hey, I've got a great story. They might write about it in their article. They might want to have you in as a podcast guest where you can share your story. And then you can also think about going to conferences, trade shows, make this a, a part of your monthly routine where you're going to at least one or two different mixers around your city. Mm. And every time you do that, you'll, you're infiltrating an existing circle of people. And then what do you do? You run them through your funnel, right? You bring them to your podcast or you bring them to your dinner party. And you've got these multiple touch points in which to capture these relationships and foster them continue the conversations, develop deeper connections. And every time you're showing up, remember that point number one, you're doing it authentically. You're doing yeah. it from this lens of I'm a human, you're a human. Let's talk. Yeah. You love it, man. People listening are stale at the moment. There's a lot of people who want more adventure in their life. You know, they want to do something different. They're stuck in a routine. They've been doing it for years, possibly where, it's just the same shit every single day, right? So to the listeners in this category, you know, how can they just start to spice things up? How can they add more value to their own life, more adventure, just to make things more exciting for them? You've got to, you've got to start writing down what excites you. Think about it. Do a monthly routine where you just write, what am I going to do this one month that's going to be exciting and different? It might be starting to go to a yoga class. It might be taking a pottery class. It might be going on the longest hike you've ever done. Something that's just crazy, that just gets you 
this shakes up your system a little bit and mm. gets you comfortable with doing things that are weird are different. Maybe it's things that you've been dreaming about doing for a long time and never gave yourself permission to do. I love to put things into a time bound goal. So every single year I do something called the life changing year. Uh, I don't remember who I got this from, but it's been so powerful. So every year at New Year's, I write down on my on my bucket list, what's mm -hmm. one thing I'm going to do this year that can absolutely change my life? So put this in context. A couple of years ago, I never knew how to paint. So yeah. I'm very creative. I, I, I'm a designer. I, I do video. So I told myself, I'm going to learn how to paint and I'm going to hold an exhibit. By the end of that year, I had finished... 14 pieces, held an exhibit, and then I sold through all of my collection and it was incredible, right? And now I can look at myself and say, I'm an artist. <laughs> and it was just like a, a big surprise. But what happened is because I gave myself that, that time-bound restriction, mm -hmm. I forced myself to finish one painting a month. I forced myself to stick with it because, you know, hey, if I do it and it actually works, my life is going to change. If yeah. I don't do it, well, life's going to stay the same. You got and no chance. Yeah. You can yeah. do this every single year. Just think of one crazy thing that you mm. want to do. Like whether that's learning a new language, writing a book. I did that the next year. I said, okay, I'm going to learn how to, I'm going to, I'm going to write a book and publish it. Mm. That's been done this year. The, the goal is I'm going to throw three retreats around the world. I've got one more to do in November and I'm, and that thing is done. And this has absolutely been one of the biggest life-changing things I've ever done in my life. Let's talk about the book quickly. When did that come out? And Tell us about it, man. Yeah, so that was that came out in 2021. And uh, I was basically synthesizing all of the experiments that I've made throughout my life. So I've had a number of successful sort of side hustles. I've had a number of side hustles that failed. And, yeah. you know, working in the marketing agency, I've learned firsthand, like so many powerful tips around how to grow a business. So I figured I've got all this knowledge, I've got all this, all these skills. Let me put it into practice. And it was also like during the pandemic when we had so many people overnight lose their jobs. Mm. And I'm looking at this as like, wow, something has got to change. And, you know, fast forward now, we've got this great resignation. So many people are going out, leaving their jobs, starting something new. So I wrote a book, How to Launch, the guide to start your own side business or start your own business. And basically walking people a step-by-step step process to come up with an idea that lights them up that they can make money with and then how to get it out there how to market it and how to actually start making money on a side hustle and with a goal of eventually maybe quitting their job or you know having more income to support themselves but that process of learning how to grow a business is so powerful and if you can actually dive into that it's going to yeah. set you up for a long time yeah you mentioned that you tried and failed at many different things, like leading up to this, has your view on failure? Well, what is your view on failure? Because I think that's, that's a term that sort of, I believe it's misconstrued in society and the way we attach meaning to it. And has your view changed over the years from say where it was five or 10 years ago to what you actually think today? Failure stings. doesn't matter what context it is. doesn't matter if you're in Silicon Valley, failure sucks, failure hurts, but it's also one of the greatest gifts that we can actually have because it means that we tried mm. and the lessons that we learn from that failure. If, if we can look at it through the lens of this is not a bad thing, but by doing this, I was able to learn what works, what doesn't work. And if we can pivot down the road, we can learn to take the pieces, figure out how to put them together stronger in all of the future projects that we have. It's going to enable us to actually have more courage in the next projects that we do. So looking back, you know, just string of failures, right? So I had a t-shirt company was selling things for cheaper than I actually was, was producing them for. So obviously that was a run to ruin. Yeah. I had a, uh, you know, that was also a fashion line. Also I threw a fashion show, but it was like, great. I had all these cool things, but then I had no idea how to sell them. I had a candle company I had a soap company with my dad um, production company was awesome, but the lesson I learned there was that you can't spread yourself too thin. You need to focus on what the core mission is, mm. get that spinning. And then once it's spinning and automated, then you can start to branch out into other cool things. So, um, yes, but the beautiful thing is all of these things now add to the color that I can paint this business with 
all the skills that I've learned from these last experiences. Mm. Now they're giving me the ability to approach this new business with much more clarity, much more enthusiasm. Um, And I've also honed so many skills through the years, like learning how to write and publish a book has taught me like how to write better. Uh, Doing all the work at the marketing agency has taught me so much in terms of like graphic design, marketing, speaking your message. Then there's like the time at the production company where I learned how to create incredible video, like all of these things tie together to give you a foundation for whatever project you're going to do in the future. And you really only have to get it right at one point. It doesn't have, you don't have to have everything figured out for this current business. If it fails, that's okay. As long as you have some way of shape or form to get back on your feet, that's what's important. It's not about how, you know, it's not about whether you fall, you're going to fall eventually in life. It's just a matter of, can you get back up and can you limit the amount of time you're actually down? That's, that's really all that matters. So I love failure. It hurts and it sucks when you're in it and you want to avoid it at all costs. And sometimes that means not being stubborn so that you don't, you know, keep running something to the ground, but you got to read the, read the writing on the wall, know to start to pivot when things start to look like they're going to fail, then you can take those lessons, adjust, pivot. And keep trying until eventually you get it right. Yeah, well, well, like they say, you know, you can't hit a home run if you don't swing the bat. You know, so you've you've still mm-hmm. you got to try. You know, and even the best in the world, they strike out. So, you know, you said it. It's just a matter of picking yourself up, responding to it, and then taking what you can from it and moving on to the next thing. And keep learning, keep getting yeah. advice from your advisors, keep getting advice from coaches. When things don't work, don't have your head in the ground to the point where you're not open to feedback, but keep experimenting empirically. So when the when the things start to fall apart, you're not clueless about it. You have advice, you have mentorship, you have uh, data points that you can look at, look to so that you're not going in blind. Mm. I might be putting you on the spot here, but I want to ask you this. And just get, throw us the best answer you can. But for all the listeners that are like, look, I want to do something different. I'm, I'm stuck. I'm desperate for change. What would you say are the three most important things that they could do today just to start moving in a completely different direction or at least change direction? Audit, audit the way you spend your day is probably the biggest thing. So, Write down on a list of paper everything you do throughout the entire day. That awareness is going to give you super strong clarity into how you're spending your time. And what you can do there is look at it from the lens of, are the things you're doing making you money or are they draining your money? Are they giving you energy or are they taking energy away? Then you can start to see how much time you actually have to do something different. And so chances are you might like, for me, my biggest weakness is like reading comic books. I always like sit there and I'm like, I look at my screen time at the end of the week. I'm like horrified and shocked at like, what (laughs) what did I spend my time on? Like, what, what was I doing? And so once you start to have that awareness, you can gain control. Then when you find yourself doing it, set up parameters to keep you from actually going off the deep end and being indulgent in these things that don't actually move the needle. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think the first thing. The second thing is to is to ask yourself to find a mission, right? To find something that actually gives you the courage and the excitement to make a freaking change. Mm, and the question yeah. I love is to ask yourself, what pisses you off about the world that you will fight for with your last breath to change? Uh, if you can if you can write an answer to that, that can be the fuel. So this becomes stronger than any of your hesitancy because just remind yourself, wait, you know, for me, my thing is like helping entrepreneurs get unstuck. And the more I, I repeat that phrase, you can start to look at the tasks on your list that you're doing and say, wait, is this helping other entrepreneurs get unstuck or is this wasting my time? Hold on. My mission, this thing that I'm on the earth for is to help entrepreneurs get unstuck. Mm-hmm. How do I align my daily actions so that that's happening? And then the last piece is really about joining a community joining a community that is similarly driven to reach for the edge of what's possible. Success is contagious. Inspiration is contagious. If we don't have these people in our lives that are inspiring, 
all you got to do is make it a priority to start adding them into your life. And then before you know it, when you show up and when you find these people, see if you can be of service to them, see if you can help them out and then let their inspiration and motivation rub off on you. But don't do it through a lens of comparison, do it through a lens or envy, right? Do it through a lens of inspiration, acceptance, gratitude, appreciation, and let that be your fuel to then move towards that mission, move towards being aware of all the things that you're doing in a day-to-day. And I think that's like the three the three basic steps that I would say. Big community, awareness of what you're doing without judgment. And then I forgot the second one. But yes, those those three are are really what's gonna give you uh give you wings. Yeah. I think the second one was finding something you hate about the world. Yes, yes, that mission. Yeah. Find a mission. I mean something mission. needs a spies because then you can actually go, right, I've got a got to fight for something here and this is something i can actually use to change my life so yeah i think that was it. righteous anger exactly some some it doesn't have to it doesn't have to be like you don't have to be pissed off all the time it's just like this is something that lights you up it fills you with passion yeah yeah okay now obviously like your message has resonated with me as i think mine's probably resonated with you as well and what this podcast stands for which is really overcoming your own barriers, getting out of your own way to move into a life and take control and build a lifestyle that you want with some purpose. So the final question I want to put to you is, this is called the Limitless Man podcast. What does it mean to be limitless for Noah? Well, it really is about being free of my own hesitation and to accept a calling that's bigger than myself. Then to figure out how to find the leverage to make that calling happen and not get in my own way in the process. Awesome, man. No, it's been a pleasure. Absolute pleasure to have you on. And yeah, I love what you're doing. I think it's, it's awesome. I'd love to catch up with you at some point around this world. I don't know where that's going to be or when that's going to be, but look, no doubt we're going to cross paths again, man. I can, I can feel that. So how do people best reach out to you if they want to find out more? Perhaps they're a good candidate. Um, what do they do, man, if they want to reach out? You know, I would say start with the podcast. It's free, thebigpossible.com. Um, on the on thebigpossible.com, you can find all the cool stuff we've got. I've got a blog that I, I throw some cool musings out. I've got some guided meditations on there as well. Um, and, you know, if you're interested in joining one of the retreats, just hit me up. You can find me at Follow Noah on Instagram the companies at the big possible and yeah i'm open for a chat whatever you're going through just send me a message and happy to happy to chat it up with you awesome thanks again man thank you so much for listening guys if you got value from this please give us a like and a subscribe and also share this with someone who you think may benefit having listened to it as well i wish you all the very best in chasing what is your own version of your limitless potential